Tax reduction strategies for high-income earners is the topic on this week's Your Money, Your Wealth TV show. Watch it and download our free 2018 tax planning checklist at yourmoneyyourwealth.com. And be sure to subscribe. New TV episodes are available every Sunday. Now, today on the Your Money, Your Wealth podcast, is the three-bucket investing strategy good for large portfolios? Plus, what is net worth and what's the real value of your net worth? And you'll think the fellas have lost their sanity when you hear them talking about ways to protect your sanity and your money as you age. And on the heels of the Red Sox winning the World Series, Big Al's got some baseball and money steps. But first, over the past week, the market has been in correction territory more than once. Here to calm our nerves are Joe Anderson, CFP, and Big Al Clopine, CPA. Now we hit almost correction zone. We did. Yeah, we've had kind of a rough uh, week and a half. A rough month. Almost down 10% across the board with all indices. Right. What do you think is the reasons? There's a lot of pundits out there saying a lot of different things. Yeah, well, what we've, I'll tell you what my answer to that is there, there's, there's not much rhyme or reason. People try to assign reasons. I know, it's crazy. But it, it doesn't really work that way. I mean, it's, it, there is a lot of emotion. And sometimes when stocks go down, people get fearful and then it, it exasperates it. The same happens on the upside, too. But it doesn't seem to be quite as dramatic on the upside as it is on the downside. Um, so first, let's define what a correction is. Correction is when a stock market is down 10% right. um, of any recent high. Uh, the frequency on it, it happens a, a lot it, more often than you think. Correct. You know, yeah. On average, it's one and a half probably times a year. Yeah, yeah. You know, sure. Even though we don't experience maybe it you know, two times a year. Um, but there's been some years where you're going to see a lot more volatility than others. Right. And I think we've been complacent and recency bias is really, you know, in the forefront right now because I think a lot of people are freaking out a little bit. Well, because the, the stock market historically is volatile. And just like you said, typically each year we'll get one or more corrections. And the fact that we've had so few the last nine years has been, it's like people have forgot this is normal. That Actually, that's normal to have corrections. Right. And if you're a saver right now, um, you should be extremely excited. I totally agree. So explain. Because when markets go down, if you're saving money into your 401k, IRAs, Roth IRAs, brokerage accounts, you know what? You're buying these same really good companies, really good stocks, really good mutual funds at now a lot lower price. Right. You're, if you're adding new money, if you're, you're getting cheap prices. And so if you are an investor at all, if let's say, you know, I know some of you are listening and saying, Joe, I'm 65 years old. I'm looking at retiring in the next couple of years and I need this money. Well, yeah, but you need that money to still continue to last you another 25 years potentially. Right. 65, 75, 85. You know, I would, we run all of our financial plans to age 90. 95. 90, uh, I'm sorry, 95. <laughs> Correct. <laughs> Thank you. And so. <laughs> We should probably change it to 100. Yeah, we, oh, man, I saw Rick Edelman's plan. It's like, <laughs> it's a big plan because it's about 250. You're right. Um, but if you look at it that way, you have to have some sort of equity in the overall portfolio. And when markets go down 9, 10%, what are you should be doing? Instead of freaking out and going to cash, you should be buying more and rebalancing the overall account. That's what buying more means. Now, if I'm saving, I'm let's say five years from retirement, 10 years from retirement, 30 years from retirement, you want to see a correction. You want to see this thing to continue to fall, right? Because all of this is really kind of on a lot of noise, to be honest with you, right? What we hear in, you know, so there's, Trade wars, tariffs.
tariffs. Then you got this whole crazy thing with Saudi Arabia. I mean, what the hell's going on with that whole thing? And then, right, and it's like, okay, well, what is that going to do to oil? And then you have, what, Italy is doing their own thing with the Eurozone. They're like, hey, we like to spend money, go pound sand, and then that's kind of causing friction. Sure. And so, right, it's... There's the market totally overreacts quite a bit, and then you look. We got midterm elections coming up, right? So I mean, it's weird how these politicians kind of pull stunts, <laughs> try yeah. to you know all of a sudden it freaks people out and saying, well, I want to go either right or the left because of what I'm feeling right now. Um, I'm probably going to get a couple of emails for that comment, but that's all right. <laughs> you notice how I'm being silent. Yes, you're, you're and just then, keep on talking. Sure, but here's what: if you look at all of the different things that are going on, right? Um, there's always going to be crises. There's always going to be issues. There's always going to be things that are not good, and the media likes to play on that. Yeah, and I think that's what we forget. And you can go back six months, a year, five years, 10 years, 20 years, 30 years. There's always crises happening. Right. And we forget that. It's like, it just seems like it's never been like this. Sure. It's like it's always been like this. What yes. are you talking about? Right. And, but when, when, when you hear all of this stuff, but when the market goes up, it's not really, eh, it's not that big of a deal. But when you see market volatility and then people really start to focus in on it. Right. Right. It's like, it, the problem is, is that when individuals retire and if they don't have a really good strategy for their retirement and not necessarily the, the financial part, part of it, but you know, how we like to talk about the softer side. I mean, they need hobbies. People need hobbies because when they're retired and they're living off their money, what do they do? They look at it more often than they probably should. Yeah, I agree. And with if that. I'm continuing to look at my assets and I'm looking at the news and then all this crazy AI BS is, is unbelievable because you look at one stupid thing on your phone, right? On whatever feed that you're doing, next thing you know, you're bombarded by it. You know, what the hell's an inverted yield curve? I heard that. And then you'd like type that stuff up on your phone, and then you get 45 articles on how the world's going to end, and right. there's a recession because of an inverted yield curve. And there's all these experts, and and you think, I'm not an expert. They are. So we, I've, I guess I should Right. Oh, sell. I mean, if they have an article on Facebook, they must be a true... <laughs> <laughs> that is true. <laughs> right? So anyway... Um, well, I guess the, so. The takeaway is that uh, when markets when they decline, so so correction. So we're 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 in or near a correction right now. That's defined as ten percent from the highs, and that's that's normal. This is usually on average, as you say, Joe, happens one to two times per year. We haven't had too many lately. Right. So this is this is kind of more the norm. But I think there's there's a lot of really good news too. I mean, earnings report are coming out. Um, within the S and P five hundred, there's more companies that have very good. They're beating expectations, aren't killing they? expectations. Yeah, yeah. yeah, and then you look at the like Tesla, for instance. You, you They're at, like, what the hell? Elon Musk was what going bananas? What a couple of months ago? Because why? You, the, now the reports come out. The guy killed it in did, the third he, quarter. He did kill it, and then we've got almost all time uh, uh, low unemployment. Right, so right. we got people working. We've got lower corporate taxes, so there's more profits for companies. And yeah, some of that goes back to the shareholders, but some of that's reinvested in buying new machinery, hiring more people, so more people are working. There's, there's actually, you're right, there's a ton of good news. Right. And, and in fact, it's what was in, I mean, what to me, if you wanted to just write an article about good news, you could write it and everything would be 100% true. And you go, oh my gosh, this is the best time in the history of the United States to invest. 
Sure. And then you could also pull, pluck out all the bad stuff. Right. And, and it's, say this and is it's the worst time always been today. that way. Always, always. That's the takeaway. So, you know, I want this market to continue to kind of shake things up a little bit. It wakes people up. It does. It gets them a little bit more in tune. I don't want you to freak out. I don't want you to do something stupid. But I think a lot of individuals need to relook at their overall portfolios. They need to reassess their goals. What are they trying to accomplish? And then get tight. Get fine-tuned on uh, on your strategy and making sure that you know how much risk that you're taking on and what type of risks are out there. Yeah, I think true. Because I think a lot of folks, they like their 401k, for example, maybe they got a, some kind of allocation from somebody 10, 15, 20 years ago, and they haven't really looked at it since, and they don't even know if this is the right thing for them. And this is sort of a wake-up call. you got to figure this stuff out. you got to figure out what portfolio is going to make sense for you and your goals and make some adjustments now. Right. If you've got a 10, 15, 20-year time frame, I mean, you want this thing to go down another 10%, right? Yeah. It's like it's 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 normal. It's it's refreshing in a sense. I mean, if the thing just kept going up, this has been the weirdest bull market. Um, I've been in this business 20 years. So I lived, you know, I feel, God, I feel old. 20 years. Man, geez. But I remember 2000 through 2002, right, the dot-com bust. And then it was like, oh, my gosh. And then you see the recovery on that. And then that was, all right, so now the stocks are good. And then you get wiped out again from the Great Recession. Sure. But it was like, it just, it was like too soon. You know what I mean? It was like I just lost half my money only like five years ago, yeah. and then I lose, lose it. Uh, lose, I lose it again. Lose the other half. <laughs> and so there was so much negative negativity within the overall stock market. Yeah, and it took people forever to actually trust the system, right? And so they missed out on a huge gain. So this whole bull market that we've experienced over the past ten years, what up three hundred some odd percent? Right, is that it's been kind of. Like, oh, well, is it really going to, is it good? Is it bad? And then, then now it's too froth. Uh, should we get out? It, it's it's never been like, let's grab the bull by the horns, no pun intended, and let the, uh, let's ride this thing. Yeah. Um, so I think a correction is healthy. I think, um, you know, a, a little bit of a bear market every now and again is healthy because then guess what? Your expected rate of return is going to be a lot higher. Yeah, because stock prices are lower. And that's what people don't understand. When stock prices are lower, your future expected return is higher. So, And let's define a bear market. Bear market is when it's at 20% down from highs. So correction is 10%. Bear market's 20%. So, somewhat arbitrary. Whoever came with that, up with that, I don't know. But that's, that's now what we call corrections in bear markets. Sure. But <clears throat> some people got to be prepared. If you lose 20% of your money, what is that going to do to your retirement? Do you have a plan to take dollars out of your overall portfolio that's not going to affect your stock portfolio? Sure. Do you have enough fixed income in place? Do you have enough, um, you, you know, do, do you have a bailout plan? Yeah, do you have, do you have a plan safe, safe assets that you can pull from while you wait for the stock market to recover? For investing strategies to help you ride out the market declines, visit the show notes for today's episode and watch our video, Preparing for a Bear Market, a Comprehensive Guide. Pure Financial's Director of Research, Brian Perry, CFP, CFA, explains the signs and indicators associated with market declines, like the ones we've been experiencing lately, becoming a bear market, the history of bear markets and their recoveries, and most importantly, bear market investing strategies. Find a link to the video, Preparing for a Bear Market, a Comprehensive Guide, in the show notes for today's episode at yourmoneyyourwealth.com. Now it's time to open up the email bag. Send your comments, suggestions, and money questions to info at purefinancial.com, just like Chuck from Virginia did. Well, we got people from all over the place. Yeah, we do. That's cool. Hey, I have just discovered your web reports. 
I don't know what web reports are, Chuck, um, but I guess we have them, Al. Yeah. Uh, Joe and Big Al are great. They speak to my level of expertise. We have a financial advisor we are happy with, but I will check into you regularly. Oh, well, thanks, Chuck. Good, good that, was very, that was very yeah. nice, Chuck. Uh, actually, um, uh, we... we uh, I guess in, in, in full transparency, we do have clients. We're looking for clients, but uh, the truth is we do this for you guys. And it's, it's like we always say that everyone needs a financial plan. Not everyone needs a financial advisor. And if you need a financial advisor, not everybody needs to use us. But if you're getting good information from our content, that's we're happy. All right. We got Rich uh, from Chi-Town. Hey, guys. Thanks for the great show and entertainment. Well, thank you, Rich. I am a few years from retiring and have a question about the three-bucket withdrawal strategy. If I understand it correctly, the first bucket is short-term money, cash, one to two years. Second bucket is mid-term money, bonds, three to nine years of expenses. And the last bucket for the longer term, stocks. They say this is good since the three to nine-year bond bucket would carry you through a recession without you having to touch the third bucket of stocks. If correct, my question is, how would this work if you had a large portfolio? If you had $3 million and needed, say, 50K a year, doing the above would put you in an allocation of about 85% stocks and 15% bonds. Isn't it too risky? Does the bucket approach make sense for higher portfolios? Thanks. Great question. Buckets. Yeah. Uh, what say you there, Big Al? What's your What's your answer of this? Uh, well, let me for see Rich. if I can sort of paraphrase the buckets of money strategy. So the, I guess the idea is you have really safe assets in the short term bucket because mm -hmm. that's what you're going to draw upon for the next year or two, yeah. maybe three, whatever. Annuities and non traded REITs. <laughs> Absolutely not. But <laughs> that there, that did happen. <laughs> And then the second bucket is kind of like Annuities mid range. Yeah, that's that exactly <laughs> what was in the second bucket, and that there were some issues there. <laughs> anyway, that's a whole other show topic. <laughs> How, and then the the last the long term button bucket is your stocks, your long term um, money and variable annuities. Yeah, that, <laughs> there was a few stocks in there, I think. Anyway, the the concept is fine. We I guess we would say it differently though. Sure. Yeah, so I, I, although I like the concept, I'm going to tell you how we would think about this, uh, wh which is kind of get rid of the buckets of money idea, although it's not necessarily bad per se. But, but I, would, I would say this. First, first there's, there's a couple ways you can go about this. One is, Rich, to figure out what your spending needs are, and it sounds like you already have. That's 50000 a year. Okay, So let's make sure you got got at least 10 years of safety, so that's 50 times 10, that's 600,000. That's probably where you came up with the 15%, I'm guessing, of the 3 million. That is a way, but that's, that's, that, that's only one way to figure out exactly what you want. That, that, you know, that's one approach. Another approach, go at a different direction, which is the, uh, the $50,000 out of your portfolio of 3 million, what rate of return do you need? Right, and and the rate of return is probably relatively low at at fifty thousand on three million. That's mm. probably what's that? That's percent and a half, maybe yeah, Some, something like that, lower than two percent. So in other words, you don't have to take much risk. You could have a much higher bond portfolio if you want to. On the other hand, because you've got you have not that huge of a need, you could take bigger risks. So now I'm going to go back to like. What's your long-term goal? Do you want to grow this thing for your kids, for charity, or do you, are you good with where you're at? You just want to be safe. You don't really want to be bothered with the 
ups and downs of the market. You've got a little bit of latitude there. Right. Um, <clears throat> I got a few comments. Okay. Yeah. You know, given the bucket strategy, there's multiple bucket strategies. Um, there's just an individual here used to um, practice in in San Diego that had a, the the a, a book that yes. was called that. So, but no, I like this strategy a lot actually. Um, in regards to looking at having different components, if you will, uh, to say, hey, you know, over the next 10 years, just be very safe because there's n- very rarely have you seen a 10-year period where a globally diversified portfolio has lost money. Yeah, so make sure you've got 10 years of income needs and really safe money that you can withdraw. Right. You know, regardless of what the market does. And then, But then I'm looking at Rich's point. He's like, well, wait a minute, man. I, I don't need a ton of money. Right. And if I got several million dollars, does this even make sense? So how you have to look at it is a few different things. That's kind of the first step. It's like, all right, well, here, you need six, 600000 bucks. That's, that's where you start. It's not that's where you stop, st- yeah, that's right. where you start. That's where you start, and then you're like, well, wait a minute. This is a lot of risk here. Yeah, because you're telling me the rest in stocks? That seems like a lot. Right, so there's something that's called risk tolerance and risk capacity. We've talked about this sure. a little bit in the past. And it's like a lot of times it's the opposite, where people have to take on maybe a little bit more risk than what they're comfortable with. Because they need too high of a rate of return. Yes, they need to generate a four, five, six percent rate of return versus maybe just sitting in cash or T bills. Right. And so there you have to push that individual to say, hey, you might need to take on a little bit more risk to outpace taxes and inflation and accomplish your goals. On the flip side, Rich here, he could sit in cash and accomplish his goals. Right. Right. But is that the prudent thing to do? So I agree with you a thousand percent, Al. It's like, all right, well, here, I think you're fine. What what you could do, Rich, is say, all right. Let's carve this stuff out so I know that I'm going to be safe for the next 40 years. He's only 56. Right. right. So then you know no matter what happens within the markets, within the bond market, stock market, you know you and your family are going to be fine. You throw a different what if in there, you know, a long-term care stay, uh, uh, you know, all sorts of crazy expenses. And then after that, you could say, well, I still have these dollars here. Maybe you want to take on risk for that for your kids, your grandkids, for charities or or, or things of that nature. So it really depends on his goals and what he's trying to do. But here's what I would say. I would take the least amount of risk possible to accomplish your goals. Yeah, I think that's the, the, the key, right? So make sure you got 10 years of safety and then take the least amount of risk to accomplish your goals on the rest of it. Right. And, and those goals could be several goals. It could be, all right, I want to make sure that I have a little bit for my kids. I want to make sure I have a little bit for some charities, for my church, and blah, blah, blah. Yeah, long-term care. And a lot of folks, when they actually do retire, they end up spending more. They travel more, right? They have they spend more on hobbies. And it's like you're maybe around the house more. And it's like, oh, gosh, it wouldn't be, be nice if I had a patio. So then you go out and buy the lumber, or you get yep. you hire someone to do it, and all of a sudden you're spending more money. So I would encourage Rich to spend more money, but if you're 56 and you got three million bucks, he's a pretty good saver, right? Unless he inherited it all, which yeah. could be a possibility. Or he as worked well. for a company that had stock options, or he just a business got owner, really lucky, or real estate. He probably hadn't saved a dime in his life. And lottery, <laughs> just lottery right winner. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> there it is. So uh, that's our two cents, Rich. Uh, appreciate you. Um, tuning in to us and uh, writing in. If you're the visual type, video of Joe and Big Al answering some of your emails like that one about the bucket investing and withdrawal strategy are now available on our YouTube channel. You can also watch the Your Money, Your Wealth TV show, see hundreds of videos on just about every personal finance topic that affects you, and even listen to the entire podcast on YouTube if you so desire. 
Find links in the show notes at yourmoneyyourwealth.com or check us out and subscribe at youtube.com slash purefinancialcfp. Time now for Big Al's List. Every week, Big Al Clopine scours the media to find the best tips, do's and don'ts, mistakes, myths, and advice to improve your overall financial picture. In handy bullet point format. This week, 11 ways to protect your money and your sanity as you age. This is written by Ken Fisher. All right. So this is timely because the markets are volatile. Correct. So you got to keep your emotions in check. Yes, you do. And you got to be smart with your money. And that's not, not saying don't do anything. That's being strategic on what you should be doing right now in volatile times. Yeah. So I'm going to go through these and let's see if we agree or disagree. Got it. Okay. Here's the first one. Take seriously the need to finance a long life. Uh, you'll likely have lived lots longer than you expect. Lifespans keep increasing and will continue to increase. In 1952, the ex- average expectancy was 68.6 years. By 2006, it was 77.8. But here's the, here's the more important stat, although it's not in here, is if you made it to retirement age, and let's just call that 65. If you made it to 65, in all likelihood, as a male, you're going to live 20 years. As a female, 24 years. Right? That's really what you have to fund in retirement. That's the median. That means half of you are going to live longer than that. So you probably ought to be set or planned at least, at least age 90, maybe even 95. Sure. Yeah, I agree with that. Hold hard. Yeah, I mean, there's so much advance in technology. It's crazy. Just think in the next 5, 10 years what, right. what's, what's going to happen. What's already happened and what's probably going to happen. Right. So, yeah, longevity is, is here. And I think people are a little bit naive with it. Right. Because they might not have saved enough and they'll be like, Oh no, I'm not gonna make it that long or right. you know, I don't wanna plant Well, sure. We don't we never know when we're going to die and I don't think we wanna know. <laughs> I surely don't. <laughs> yeah, um, I don't either. But but you will, you absolutely have to plan because if you think about it, just picture yourself fifteen years from now flat broke. Right. Right. Yeah. So you get you made it to eighty, but you got no money. Yeah. Then you're you're done. It's like, right. well, no. I mean, you. <laughs> Not a good way to go out. I mean, Al, you're sixty. It doesn't probably feel like you're sixty, does it? No. You probably feel like e- you're forty. Exactly. Exactly. I feel so, younger than you sometimes. Yeah, you'd look it too. <laughs> Not really. <laughs> All right. Here's number two. Be clear early about family support limits. Let me explain. Ooh. Before it arises, decide with your spouse the limits on what you will and won't do to support family members. Too much or too little causes bad outcomes. If the topic of support comes up and you didn't plan it in advance, you will likely be too emotional and likely to over or under give, and your relationships may suffer. Put that in a real terms. It's like, all right, well, Junior needs a little bit of cash, and so we're going to put a limit on what we give? Yeah, so Junior lost his job for example, and it's like, all right, well, we have to pay his mortgage for the next month or two, and which becomes what, a year so or two So then you years. say, okay, we cut this thing off before Junior even loses <laughs> his job and say, if this ever happens, then we're only going to give a certain amount of money? Or I think another way to look at this is if your kids think of you as a piggy bank, it could stifle their motivation to be successful, and, so, and then they could come back to you. <laughs> oh, okay. Uh, Are you speaking from experience? Slightly. (laughs) (laughs) I know you don't don't have kids, so you don't really get it. Uh, No. But does that go the other way as well? If you're a part of the sandwich generation, what about taking care of your parents? I think so. I think so, right? And then certainly if you run out of money at age 80, you're going to be asking your kids for support. Maybe they need to have the discussion (laughs) earlier. 
<laughs> okay, not much more to say about that one. Number three is consider downsizing. Saves money, makes life more manageable, eases future burdens on offspring, but it causes more upfront hassle and reduces the guest potential. In other words, if you have less bedrooms, less guests, maybe that's a good thing. That's probably a really good thing. You've got too big of a home. You've, have you ever had a night in the last two years where you didn't have a house guest? Um, yeah. Yeah, because it seems like you always have at least one <laughs> so, or two. Someone always kind of crashes over. <laughs> um, yeah, it's, the past probably two weeks have been uh, very nice. Just just you? Yeah. I know we had a little gathering at your place yes, last um, Friday. Friday. Yeah, very very fun, by the way. Um, yeah, it was a really good time. Yeah. Yeah, so, yeah, I had a couple of people crash Friday. Um, yeah, so you, they, so you had then, one so, night. But then, yeah, so, oh, and then my sister was in town. So on I'm Saturday, saying. and then she stayed Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, and then so yeah, Wednesday, last couple, Thursday, last tonight, yeah. tonight's free, <laughs> tonight's free. <laughs> what about this weekend? Um, yeah, all good. Anyway, so downsizing, I, and what's interesting is a lot of people don't want to downsize. We've looked at all kinds of stats, and very few people actually right, want they to. They want to live in their home because they're used to it. They're used to the neighborhood. They've got their friends there. They've got their life there. Maybe they're whatever, their, their stores are there, their churches are there, whatever, their social functions, all, right. the, all the above. I mean, you get a sense of comfortability, too, yeah, you know? Yeah. You, you're familiar. Right. right. You might, like, you You know, you have friends with your neighbors and things like that. And, right. You know, the general store is just yeah. right down the street, and you, you know, so yeah. I could see that. Yeah, but at the risk of being obvious, sometimes the bigger home is harder to take care of when That's you're older, true. right? And if you downsize, by definition, that means you're buying something cheaper, so you'll end up with more money in your pocket and, and hopefully more to, to spend and retire with. Now, the fourth thing is consider upsizing. So this is the opposite, mm. right? Big gatherings, room for lots of grandchildren. Nothing beats the grandkids, Joe. That's what Ken Fisher says. Mm. Get your kids to have more, uh, which is the best tip of all, have more grandkids. Yeah, when you're worth <laughs> billions, you can buy them, I he's, guess. He's doing pretty well, right? <laughs> yeah, he's, he's probably... He's not hurting. He probably upsized. He probably when, did. When you think. And he, yeah. Yeah. He's got the cash. So that's the problem with downsizing, right? So you go from a four-bedroom home to a two-bedroom condo, and then all of a sudden the whole family wants to come over for Christmas? Yeah, I, I can see that. To, hard to do that. You know. Especially if they you know, had that big tradition to do that and you know, cater the family, and, and that's something really special. But, right. I mean, people will go deep in debt, flat broke for that type of stuff. Yeah, yeah, and, it's true. Yeah, it's emotions. Right? Yeah. Fifth one is consider moving closer to your grandkids. And then he has a one-word sentence. Fun. Uh, apparently, he's got a couple grandkids <laughs> now. And he just got all emotional and started writing a blog. And then he writes, uh, and maybe you can coerce your no-good kids to do more for you. I wonder if that's, is that from experience? Oh, jeez. <laughs> <laughs> and if your kids are good, hyphen, you'll want to you wanna help them. You'll want, you'll want... <laughs> you will want them helping you as you age. If I could read this, that'd be really good. Uh, is that 11? <laughs> it feels like it. Yes. <laughs> Next one is uh, if you can um, involve offspring in your financial decisions, have your kids involved. That's, that's a mixed bag, though. Yeah, totally. Some parents are, are okay sharing that. Many, I would say, are not, especially if they have a lot of money and they don't necessarily want their kids to know it. Yeah, for sure. You know. Um, on the other side too, if you're flat broke, you don't want your kids to know it too. You <laughs> That's know? true, right? And it, it, because yeah. it, there's a lot of facades out there, right? Where 
I mean, I looked at, I looked back at my parents, and when my old man died, I mean, you know, he didn't really there. There wasn't a lot there. And yeah. then now, as you get older, right? It's like okay, well, he died at sixty, and it's like, well. You know, you should have accumulated a couple of bucks. Sure, right, yeah, <laughs> right. What, especially but, with a financial planner's son. Sure, didn't you? Um, w- w- wasn't he your first client? Yeah, he gave me like I don't know, twenty grand. Just blew it. <laughs> but but that's putting that, them new opportunities. That, that would have been his, his future. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it was like a high tech fund. I, right. I bought it right in nineteen ninety nine. Right, and then yeah, it imploded. So, but. But they did everything they could, you know. I, I didn't know my parents were struggling, right? You know, because well, you, and you wouldn't as a kid, right? Except you probably knew you didn't you didn't go out, you didn't have lavish trips, or you didn't really probably go out to dinner much, or maybe you did. I don't know. No, not really. But yeah. I mean, I, I guess I wasn't hurting for it. I didn't right. really know any better. Yeah, same with me. But you know, I I wore nice clothes. It wasn't like we're going. You your know. mom, your mom didn't make them. No, she my didn't. mom made some of mine. <laughs> yeah, no. Yeah, the 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 brand of choice at the time was OP Ocean Pacific. Oh yes, the, little, the two little bare feet yeah, on it. I know. And uh, my mom, she would make. So she counterfeited. She did because she <laughs> she would buy the same cloth they did, make the same shirt, and then she would sew this little feet on it. That's <laughs> like, mom, I don't really care. I'm not really, I'm not very cool. So I, I, no one would notice. I don't even know the difference. She said, "Well, you got. Don't you want the brand names?" I remember wearing the jeans, and and she said, "Don't you want the Levi's?" I said, "Sears brand is fine, mom." <laughs> Well, come on, you're high school now. The kids are going to make fun of you. Oh, they already do. <laughs> so I wore tough skin Sears uh, jeans. <laughs> yeah, still, that, still, uh, still wearing them. <laughs> I would say I was the opposite you're, of that. Yeah, I could see that. <laughs> Ah, high school, when all I cared about was music and boys, and I played drums in marching band and got a mullet haircut just like the lead singer of Def Leppard, and no, that did not get me any dates. Anyway, if you're in Southern California or will be visiting, you're invited to our office in San Diego for a free lunch and learn on Thursday, November 29th at 11 a.m. Pure Financial Advisors Director of Research, Brian Perry, will go over the state of the markets, what's predicted for 2019, end-of-the-year tax strategies, ways to reduce your taxes in retirement, and more. Visit the show notes for today's episode at yourmoneyyourwealth.com for the link to sign up. The Lunch and Learn is free. Lunch is included. Awkward high school photos are not. And now, more hilarity ensues. This is 11 Ways to Protect Your Money and Sanity as You Age, written by Ken Fisher. So he's probably feeling, what, he's aging? Well, yeah, I'm sure you've heard him speak. and He's very, um, yeah. He talks in short sentences, and he writes in short sentences, because the seventh one is, drive the safest car you can. When I was young, I hot-rodded. Is that a word? Yeah, you hot rod. I know, but... Is that how you say it? I, I would say I drove a hot rod. Not that I hot rodded. I don't even know what that means. <laughs> because you wore tough skin's jeans. Yeah, tough skin. Not tough kids. Tough skin. The Sears brand, tough skin. The reason why they were so good is you, you wouldn't wear You weren't hot rodded. You, I'll tell you that. You're I, not on the strip. I wasn't the ladies. A, wasn't in a hot rod. The reason why I wore those jeans and liked them is they were double stitched in the knees. So you wouldn't wear out your knees. Now, of course, it's. it's why were you on your knees? Because you're, well, you're playing sports. You're sliding into bases. I, I don't know, whatever in else. jeans? Yeah, that's all I had. I didn't have a uniform like you did. I played it in my counterfeit OP shirt. 
<laughs> my tough skin jeans. <laughs> That was so good. I would I would get to second base. I couldn't run any further. I was so too tired. The jeans were too tough. I could could not catch a fly ball in the outfield. That's 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 a homer for sure. So. Uh, Oh my goodness gracious! <laughs> so if you if, <laughs> to get back to the point, drive <laughs> drive a safe car. <laughs> well, what, what would you drive if you wanted a safe car, Joe? Oh, man. I don't know. What, guess, what, guess what? Guess Volvo, what Ken has? Like a Mercedes? No, you're right. G wagon. He has a Volvo. Yeah. Okay. He said he's come to appreciate and love Volvos. Okay. Because they're safe. Yeah. Yeah, they are safe, very safe. So, uh, anyway. Yep, that's what Suze has to drive. I know. <laughs> uh, she's she, the only person in the world that says I'm a really bad driver. Yeah, everyone else is above <laughs> yes. average, except for her. Yes. She knows it. <laughs> she's like, yeah. So I don't, I've heard about, I've never actually ridden with her. You have, right? Oh, yeah. So how is, what's the experience? It's, you know, like gas pedal, and then breaks. The, <laughs> gas pedal breaks. It's like whiplash city. Well, that's good that she has a Volvo. Yes. She's got a big one, too. Yes. So yes. she's probably pretty safe. Yeah, little dings everywhere on the thing. <laughs> I parked next to her. So number eight is build a cushion into your financial plan. Not everyone is highly disciplined about spending and planning. If you suffer a big gap between plans and realities, it causes anxiety. Mm. So how do you create a cushion? Oh, is that a cash reserve? I guess. Yeah, that's tough to do, I guess. Yeah, it means you have to save. Yeah. I mean, we all want a cushion. Sure. Doesn't say how to do it. Ken, come on, what, tell us <laughs> what to do. Give me a little meat here. <laughs> I guess what he's getting at is probably for those of you that are not yet retired, but thinking about it, try to save more, save more, <laughs> save more. <laughs> To create a little bit extra, you know, if you think you need a couple hundred thousand, maybe shoot for 300,000 or whatever the number is, so you got a little extra. I'll go with that. Sure. Yeah. Okay. Number nine, know your net worth, but don't obsess over it. Well, your net worth is... What is net worth? It's... (laughs) (laughs) Your net worth... I'm just trying to weave you into (laughs) the conversation. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> oh, God. It's uh, all of your assets minus your liabilities, Alan. Ooh, that's that's like almost an accounting term. <laughs> yes, but <laughs> the problem is the net worth. It, it's it's how much income you can derive from your net worth. I think is more important than what the number is on your net worth. Right. I give this example often. Is that let's say I had a farm back in Minnesota and it's worth fifty million dollars. I can never sell it, and it doesn't produce any income. Yeah. So what does that get you? Right. It's, it gets me $50 million net worth. Right. Right. <laughs> and living on top ramen. Right. <laughs> it means nothing. So, yeah, the net worth is a good starting point just to organize your overall financial life. What do you have in assets? Where are your liabilities at? What are your interest payments? Um, you know, how much money are you saving? Where are your assets located? And so on and so forth. I think it's really good to have a net worth statement. But I agree with Ken here. Don't obsess over it because it, it really doesn't do any good. It's how are you going to create that net worth to do the things that you wanted to do? Right. I agree with that. Number 10, 
have a financial backup person or two. Huh. It's, Why I, would you need a backup person? Like when I'm too well, old, I like yeah. What if miss you, a RMD? What if, <laughs> <laughs> you might forget to pay your bills. Right. Okay. Or, so is or, that what a backup person? You is? might forget to eat your applesauce. Sure. At <laughs> yeah. Right. Okay. Backup person. I haven't really heard of that term before. Yeah. They're not talking about a second opinion. I'll read the rest. He's very succinct in his <laughs> writing. It said, whether you, comma, a loved one or a professional, comma, be clear who should oversee your finances if your numero uno choice can't. Numero uno. Maybe that's... <laughs> number one. That's your number one well, choice. I, I know. <laughs> but I'm... I'm, I'm Spanish. <laughs> bueno. <laughs> Como estas, uh, yes. uh, Senor Joseph uh, Anderson? Uh. Um, uh, if you ever need it, that decision made in haste and emotion could be as expensive as any. Hmm. So, okay, so so let's just say... I don't know, what, like a power of attorney is he talking about? Yeah, so so let's just say, so you're married, so yeah. your backup person is your spouse, right? But, but maybe you want another backup person after that, so or two. Is that like a healthcare directive, power of attorney for financial, I, probably? <coughs> probably is what I, I'm guessing? I, I would think so. Yeah. So, so like I, my parents, uh, power of attorney. Yeah. yeah. Financial. That didn't trust me on health. Oh, really? No, well, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I just saw the financial one. <laughs> okay, we finally getting to the end. Thank uh, you. Remember, oh, this is philosophical. Okay. You'll like this. All right. Remember that anger slays. Oh, I get, I'm getting angry. I get, just I get, listening to this. I, I got huge peace of mind when a psychologist, so apparently he goes and sees a psychologist, uh, psychologist buddy. Oh, he's trying to say it's just a friend. He's sure. not really going for himself. Uh, taught me to live my actions as if I'd live forever and my emotions as if I knew I'd be dead in 30 days. So here's, let me explain, because I had to read through it. <laughs> Every time I anger, I ask myself if I'd waste time over this, if I knew I only had 30 days to live, I never do. It's calming. Anger slays investors and you. So if you're going to only live 30 days, what's the point of being angry? News to live I'd by. I'd be angry that I only had 30 days to live. Yeah, you'd probably be more angry. <laughs> Uh, so that's our 11 ways to protect your money and sanity as you age. All right. Well, uh, thank you, Ken Fisher, for that enlightening uh, piece he wrote in, do we have to give USA the source? Today. Uh, the source, uh, it, yeah, USA Today. Thank okay. you. Yeah, You're we'll, looking over my shoulder, Andy. Thank you. We'll um, put a copy of that somewhere in our show notes. It is indeed in the show notes for today's episode at yourmoneyyourwealth.com, along with a full transcript of the entire podcast, complete with all the cracking up. As a matter of fact, there is a goldmine of stuff in the show notes for these podcasts. We've got transcripts of our interviews with recent guests like Gene Chatsky, Larry Swedrow, and Jonathan Clements, relevant links to articles, free downloads, videos of Joe and Big Al's email responses, and you can subscribe and listen to the podcast free on demand there as well. It's all at yourmoneyyourwealth.com. Coming soon on the podcast, Dr. Stephen Wendell, the head of behavioral science from Morningstar, is going to tell us ways to ease the retirement crisis. Make sure you don't miss it. Subscribe to the podcast at yourmoneyyourwealth.com. And if you like the show, why not do us a huge favor and share it with your friends? I wanted to talk baseball because, and finance. This is a financial show. Sure. But I like baseball too. Okay. So, a few stats. Uh, and this is from Nerd Wallet. So, obviously, it's correct. So, Kitches. Yeah. <laughs> right? Well, no, that's Nerd's Eye View. Nerd's Wallet. I don't know what the hell Nerd's Wallet is. Uh, yeah, you're right. They're similar name, but yeah. different. A bunch of nerds. Yeah. 
<laughs> anyway, if you like, have you ever thought of you? I'd like to go buy the Dodgers. No, I thought, haven't. Or the Red Sox. <laughs> That's qu- that'd be pretty expensive. <laughs> a couple Do- billion dollars. Dodgers. Dodgers. The estimate is there were three billion. Three billion for the Dodgers. Yeah, two point right. two point eight billion for Red Sox. You get a little discount there. Huh. I would imagine that the Red Sox would be. Well, they're they're now. A, well, they've always been a storied franchise. Yeah, um, but but not just recently it's been until, successful. Yeah, until recently. Yes. Yeah, the curse of the Bambino. Yeah, I think was it two thousand four? Was that the year? Maybe they won the World Series. Something first, like that. First four. time in like seventy years, or whatever. Yeah. Okay, so uh, uh, salaries, team salaries. The Dodgers are paying one hundred ninety-six million. The Red Sox two hundred twenty-eight million. Hmm. So Red, Red Sox. Uh, but the Red Sox got a better bargain for that. They they paid two point one million per win, and the Dodgers paid two point one four million per win. Wow, they're breaking it down like that, huh? They are. Billy Bean. Yeah, <laughs> Billy Bean. <laughs> Red Sox won one hundred eight games. Dodgers ninety two. Then you look at the the most the highest paid players. Any guess on the Dodgers highest paid player? Um, yeah, it's Kershaw. That's correct. Thirty five point five million. And David Price on the Red Sox, thirty million. Price is kind of a freak. A freak. He is. <laughs> In what way? Is that um, if you know he gets like nervous? Yeah. Um, yeah. <clears throat> he's awesome. I'm he not is. saying anything yeah. bad about him. Right. Right. Uh, but you can see his adrenaline goes up uh, just a smidge well, when he's, he's got people on base. Yeah. I yeah I've noticed. That. But he's a real person. That's he is. Well, I, I didn't think he was a robot. <laughs> <laughs> he plays like one. So uh, the cost, like, let's say, like, what if we wanted to advertise your money, your wealth nationally? What would the cost of a 30-second commercial? Oh, I don't know. <laughs> I don't think. We, we would go on stations and <laughs> that would cost like seven cents a, a minute. Well, anyway, it's 635000 per 30-second. 635000 If we yeah. wanted to do a 30-second commercial of your money, your wealth on the World Series. Yeah. Yeah. So what's a um, well? That's cheaper than the the Super Bowl. You're 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 absolutely right. Uh, it's, it's Super Bowl is five million plus for thirty seconds. But really, mm-hmm. according to this, I suppose there's you know it could be seven games in a World Series versus one game in the Super Bowl. Yeah. Well, that's true. And and this uh, of course the World Series. This is Game Seven from last year. We haven't had Game Seven yet, so we don't really quite know. I guess what the cost will be, but. Uh, Let's see a couple more things of interest. Price game three Friday. Friday, yeah. We're yeah. taping this Thursday. Yeah. Yes. And people are hearing it Saturday. Yes. So it already happened. And Tuesday. <laughs> and Tuesday. Don't worry. Got it. Yeah. <laughs> we got it covered. So, yeah. We're yeah. Behind by Tuesday. The, times. the thing's over. I, it could be. <laughs> we'll see. So you want to go to a World Series game? Um, I have no interest. Been one of your one of your thoughts? Not really. No. You want to know what it costs? I would. I would much <laughs> rather watch it, at, at like in my home. Yeah, I I sort of agree with you. You know what I mean? In, unless it's like you're just a diehard fan for that team. I have been to a World Series game, and it was actually it was awful because it was it was the Yankees versus the Padres in 1998, oh. and it was Game Four where they swept the Padres in four games, and I got to watch the Yankees celebrate. <laughs> yeah. I don't think the Padres they got like two hits all game, something like that. Uh, I don't know. Oh, it only. I mean, this sounds really bad and snobby, but. I, if 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 I was maybe had a luxury suite or something, yeah. I would go. That is snobby. <laughs> Sounds like drive up in a limousine. Yeah, yeah I only want a limousine. I don't want to. You know, I don't, I don't like crowds. I don't, I don't like, like I, big crowds and. All I, don't, that. I don't want popcorn and hot dogs. No. I, I want I like want, yeah, chicken, fillet. Caesar salad. <laughs> 
So anyway, the the average price of a ticket uh, in uh, 2017 World Series was a thousand dollars plus. Thousand bucks. Yeah, cheapest ticket was for um, Game Five, which was eight hundred twenty-eight dollars. It's still n- not outrageous. Well, no, compared to the, Super, the Super Bowl, Super Bowl is thirty-one hundred dollars. Yeah, yeah. I've I've heard people like spending like five grand on Super Bowl tickets. Right. There's no way. Yeah. Right. So then, then there's like the so the winning team, the players get bonuses, yes. for winning. Uh-huh. Astros last year they won. They got about four hundred forty thousand per player. Per, per player, Dodgers lost. They got about two hundred sixty thousand. Is player. that average, or did some players get more, or did each player get the equal amount? It doesn't say, but I'm guessing it's equal. Equal. I think that's how they do. Yeah. And did you say they get bonuses for losing as well? They yes. do. Yeah. Wow. Just for, just, just for, for making just for it. Making it. Yeah. yeah. Uh, American League, National League, which uh, league has won more World Series? Uh, American League. That's correct. 65 World Series compared to 48. Yeah. And the winningest, winning winning S team, you probably know, in baseball, World Series. Well, if it's the American League, New York Yankees. Well, either, either league, but you're right. New York Yankees have won 27 times. The next closest is St. Louis has won 11 times. Oh. So that's all I got. That's it. <laughs> uh, Pretty interesting stuff, though, right? You now, know what? now you can watch the rest of the World Series, you no, know, armed with facts and stats. And yeah, you, you know, when you're having a little cocktail party, you I just think say, you can hey, rattle this out. You know, you know what the Dodgers are worth. But I wonder. Um, yeah, about two point two billion. Yeah, three. Two point three billion. Three billion. Oh, three billion. Yeah, three you, were, you were listening. No, I wasn't. <laughs> the, the Red Sox are worth two point eight billion. All right, two point eight. All right, uh, that's it for us. Hopefully, you enjoyed the show. Uh, we'll see you next time. For Big Al Clopine, I'm Joe Anderson. Uh, show's called Your Money Your Wealth. Subscribe to the podcast at yourmoneyyourwealth.com. Find the links in the show notes to subscribe on Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Overcast, Player FM, iHeartRadio, TuneIn. And now you can even listen to the Your Money, Your Wealth podcast on YouTube as well. Email your money questions to info at purefinancial.com or call 888-994-6257. Listen next time for more Your Money, Your Wealth presented by Pure Financial Advisors. For your free financial assessment, visit purefinancial.com. Pure Financial Advisors is a registered investment advisor. This show does not intend to provide personalized investment advice through this broadcast and does not represent that the securities or services discussed are suitable for any investor. Investors are advised not to rely on any information contained in the broadcast in the process of making a full and informed investment decision. We'll see you next week.